0: Well, welcome again. We're at the, the fall retreat. It's really happening. It's going to be great. Amen. Um, we have got uh, a little session here planned tonight, as I was saying. The theme for the weekend is looking forward. And so we wanted, as a, a leader team, to, to try our best to continue to just cast the vision of what we think done right looks like, of what we think God wants us to be about as a little local church and, and what we think he He may have in store for us. And so that's what led to the, the, the four topics we're going to be getting into over the weekend. Um, I picked tonight's, you know, because I can do it nice and short and sweet, and it's just a classic, Jesus-centered friendships. And so this is one you've certainly heard about before and and we 're not sorry for that. Uh, we need to keep hearing about it, but yeah, when we look forward, we know that this is crucially important for our continued success in following jesus that it 's at the real bedrock of what um, we can accomplish, and it 's really tied to how he made us and how he expects us to be and so You know, as I get into this tonight, I want to encourage you to be thinking introspectively really about your own life, to be thinking about your friendships, to be thinking about um, people that you should be friends with. I'll give you some prompts along the way. We're going to have a little bit of, of just breakout small group discussion time at the end as well. And hopefully this can be meaningful in the sense that you can can bring purpose and intent and, and reconsider how you are as a friend lately and um, who God may want you to be friends with. And so just in way of introduction, I guess the, the very nature of our being and the way that God created us, I think, demands that, that we have meaningful friendships. And we suffer when we go without this, when we go without Jesus-centered friendships. Even at times where we may not feel like we're suffering, you're going to be much worse off in the long run if you don't have reliable, meaningful relationships that can call you forward, pull you up, and, and walk towards Jesus with you. And so we see, you know, from the very first sort of not good statement in Genesis 2, it's not good for, for man to be alone. You take that all the way through the story, all the way through the New Testament, all the one another passages, um, all the things that, that Jesus commanded us to, to love one another. You know, He called us friends. He called his apostles friends. He commands us to be in fellowship with one another. We see that this is part of what God has made us for. And it's abundantly clear that because of that, you need Jesus-centered friendships. And you need to be that for other people that, are, that have yet to, to be brought into a community like ours. And so, when I say Jesus-centered friendship, I guess, what am I talking about? How's it different than anything else you may already be doing? Um, what's going on here? And so, I want to say uh, it can take many forms. And it's certainly not the exact same thing, just rinse and repeat, with every person you may be in a relationship with. Um, And to put it simply, it's a friendship with Jesus at the center. No, I'm just kidding. It it is that too. Um, It's a relationship that you engage in purposefully, with kingdom motivations and convictions to treat them like Jesus would and to be their friend. And so it's one that's focused and, and built on the mission that, that he's given us. And so these can definitely be your, your deepest, closest friends that you may have or, or be thinking of right now. Or it could be someone completely new that you're trying to befriend for the first time. In each of those cases, it should be a, a Jesus-centered friendship that you're, you're seeking to build, that, that you're seeking to engage in. And so I want you in, in that vein to at least try tonight with a, a certain filter or framework to get rid of some of the other categories that we often use to, to define relationships and define people we interact with. And so some of these, uh, obviously we, we talk about friends, and that's what we're talking about tonight. But when we say friends, usually what we mean are these are the people I actually like. You know, these are the people I want to hang out with. These are the people I think are fun. They think I'm fun. They think I'm funny. You know, it's, it's cool. We're our friends. Um, but I guess newsflash, I want you to realize God may want you to be friends with someone you don't necessarily like right away, right? He may want you to engage in a Jesus-centered friendship with someone who's difficult to love, with someone who doesn't laugh at all of your jokes and may not be interested in all your, your hobbies, and so we can't just start with the typical what we think of as a friend. You know, often we talk about coworkers, and and usually we put them in a different category because you know that that's different, and they don't often get into the friend category. And so it's just separate; they're coworkers, and unfortunately, that can often lead to. Um, very normal, very prevalent excuses about why we don't have meaningful relationships with them, about why we don't try to engage with our coworkers in a, a Jesus-styled way. And so if they don't come into the friend category, I guess we don't have to pour into them like we might be expected to in somewhere else. And I want you to try and leave that behind. I want you to think, which of your coworkers should you be striving to develop a Jesus-centered friendship with? And who are you around at, at work, wherever that looks like for you, that, that may need this from you? Think of an acquaintance. The same thing. It's just a way to say, yeah, I know them, but it's, I have no responsibility there. And um, we just sort of brush into each other, and because it's so few and far between, that too can be very unintentional and without purpose. And so the same thing, however little, are you making the most of each opportunity? Um, Another thing that I'll I'll hear even us do, we'll talk about people we're reaching out to and, and put them in some sort of separate category. Uh, because we're apparently going to treat them very different than we may treat a friend or a coworker or whatever. Um, but it's the same thing. You know people are not projects. and, and if you're, you're reaching out to them as, as you should be as, as Jesus would want you to, I want you to consider them a friend. I want you to try to befriend them and take that into a meaningful, purposeful place. And so this is the framework I want to try and put over nearly all of your relationships and say some aspect of that, if not most of it, should be a Jesus-centered friendship, even if you are the one doing most of the pouring into and most of the leading. You know, you can think about, you know, other designations like mentor and mentee. Very true. Very, like, that's what's happening sometimes. But that doesn't mean they can't or shouldn't be your friend and, and someone you treat that way. Um, even, you know, parent, child, brother, sister at some point you sort of age up into this space where that should be a Jesus-centered friendship and, and some of the ways Jesus talked about his own family when they were, you know, coming to get him during his, his ministry I guess they thought he was a bit off his rocker and he said people that, that follow God are my mother and brothers and sisters um, but it's worthwhile to, to consider this. And even maybe the last one here, the husband and wife, clearly that's a, that's a bigger deal. That's, you know, more than just friends. Um, but it's still worthwhile to consider whether or not you're treating your spouse with as much intentionality or thoughtfulness as you would a Jesus-centered friendship. And I think too often, uh, you know, I, I've heard and I've confessed myself, it can just get pretty comfortable in a marriage in a way that gets relatively unintentional. And so to, to put this framework on it, I hope would encourage you to bring that back, to be purposeful, to be intentional and driven about what you're doing in that one-on-one relationship. And so that's what I have in mind when, when I'm talking about Jesus centered friendships. And so I guess a, another question to, to try and answer here is, okay, so, so what do they do? Okay, so this is sort of who they are, which I sort of, in a convoluted way, just said everyone. Um, but, but what do they do? What, what are you up to in these relationships? Why should we call them this, consider them that? What should that lead us to do? And I want to say Jesus-centered friendships both make and mature. And, and I'm pulling from our, our great commission, make and mature disciples to the glory of God. We're called to do just that. You know, as a church, we have this in mind, you know, as, as a leader team, that this is, this is our, our, our mission. It, it has been the entire time to make and mature disciples. And so we try to put everything we do through that barometer to say, will this event or that activity help in that in any way? And so when you're looking at a Jesus-centered friendship, Is it making? Is it maturing? Is it some of both? It should be able to answer uh, either side of of that equation. You know, we look at how Jesus did friendship. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, he called his apostles friends. And we'll read some of that from John 15 in a minute. Um, He was also known as a friend of sinners because he apparently spent plenty of time around people that that weren't his apostles, and and many stories we get that that weren't yet following him in any way. And so he's doing both. He's making, he's maturing in in both aspects. It's a Jesus-centered friendship that that is after the same big goal. And so on, on the one hand, when he's calling his apostles friends, Uh, he's calling his followers to pretty extremely high standards. Um, We see this in John 15. Uh, It says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And so with this model, uh, it's safe to say a Jesus-centered friendship would involve some kind of sacrifice. Uh, Ideally, uh, mutual and reciprocal but you should be willing and, and often practicing this type of, of laying your life down for your friends um, obviously it's not the cross each time but it is it's a sacrificial lifestyle and it's a considering them better than yourself and a purposely building them up and doing what is in their best interest often over your own you know, it, it's carrying one another's burdens. You know, you've got to really know someone to even be able to, um, you know, do that command. You have to know what their burdens are. You have to have some sort of closeness and relationship that, where your burdens are, are shared uh, with each other. You know, that's something... Like, we, we do a, a great work sort of circling around people and we've been able to help one another a, a ton over the years. But it's still... It'll catch us by surprise some, sometimes when we discover, you know, someone's been suffering on their own and and we missed it as a community. Or, or yeah, certainly people can, you know, they can they can keep secrets. But that's the kind of isolation that a Jesus-centered friendship tries to to break apart and, and open up because we certainly need one another, and we will all at times need help and be struggling, and too often we keep that to ourselves. And even when I You know I'll talk to people and and they're opening up and they're confessing it's always confession in the past tense like now that they've sort of overcome it they're they're like ready to confess it happened a while back it's just like okay I'm glad you did that like who'd you share that with in in the moment do you think you know I could have helped you out back then or someone else or whatever it is and it's Too often it's one of those aha moments, and I think we're doing it a little backwards. And we've got just a little too much pride still in us, and a little bit we're too private and unwilling to to be close and out there with enough people to really have our needs met, but really have ourselves called higher as well. So, calling one another to follow Jesus. Um... Clearly we're not going to go around saying you are my friend if you do what I command because we're not Jesus. But maybe you're my friend if you're doing what he's commanded both of us. And Jesus-centered friendships are going to be about what Jesus has commanded. And um, that's one of the beauties of, of Christ-style unity and him being the, the bond of peace that you know, breaks down every dividing wall. We center and unify around, you know, the life that he's shown us to live. And, and that brings us together. And that gives us unity and a closeness that um, will go deeper and further than any sort of surface-level interest or, or hobby or, or game. You know, a lot of us tonight were um, mourning the Rangers' loss together. Um, the, it's too soon. Sorry, Garrett. I don't think Garrett worshipped one bit tonight because they lost right before we started and he was struggling. Um, No, you know, these things are are fun to to jokingly sort of unify around and that sort of sports fandom is just a crazy thing in our world. But a unified mission brings people together. And a Jesus-centered friendship is meant to unify around the only mission that really matters. And so it's following Christ and doing what he says. Jesus goes on. He says still to his apostles here, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Similar vibe. But his friendship here apparently is a friendship because it's pointing them to God. He was giving them the the keys to eternal life, the the words of life, you know, salvation itself. Our friendships, Jesus-centered friendships should be pointing each other, ourselves, to God. And so the question is like, are you doing that for your friends? You know, the other hand that I, I mentioned a minute ago, a minute ago, is how Jesus spent enough time with people on the margins that he was criticized for it and accused. You know, the line in Matthew 11, um, I didn't quote. What did it say? It said he was accused of being like a glutton and a drunkard, and he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's probably word for word what's in Matthew 11. Um, we, we like to, to bring that up because it shows Jesus being, I guess, a, a man of the people. And sometimes we like being friends with sinners for different reasons. But this is the, the making part of, of making and maturing disciples. And so, you know, it, it's what I said at the beginning. When you're reaching out to a coworker or trying to befriend someone new that walks in our church on a Sunday morning, uh, it's, it's the same. Like, you can start a friendship with them, like a true friendship. It doesn't have to be a side project. It doesn't have to be, um, it shouldn't be something you don't have time for. We'll talk about more of that in a minute. But Jesus was doing both. And you can think about, you know, the woman at the well or the Canaanite woman or all the, the people that he healed and were brought to him. He had this resolute mission and was just move, 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 on the go, on the go, on the go. And he, and he regular, regularly stopped for these people. And so one of of the points I want to drive home later is that you need space in your life for new friends. You need new space in your life for Jesus-centered friendships. So what do we do with all that? You know, my, my hope is that in some little way you can just be renewed again to think about how you can both deepen your existing friendships and bring more purpose and Jesus-centeredness to them, and you can expand your circle of friendships, and you can make room for new people in your lives. And so, yeah, think about your existing friends. Several of them are probably in this room, in our community, in your family, and start asking the basic questions again. Are you purposeful with them? Do you thoughtfully consider how to point them to Jesus. Do you talk about Jesus and the mission together? Do you talk about how to grow or, or what you've been learning? Do you pray together? You know, I think we, uh, we can continue talking about this because in some ways we, we still have room to grow. Uh, we are, are really good at, at being friends, I think. We're, we're really friendly. We have a, a great time together. Um, and we can be pretty good at keeping that surface level from time to time. And so the, the call is to, to go deeper and to, you know, pick your people and get time with them and ask them meaningful questions ready to answer those same questions, bring the vulnerability, bring the openness that'll uncover those burdens that we need to help each other with, that'll uncover Sin or whatever that we need to deal with and, and grow in, and it 's as we get better at this that we can flow into doing that for others and ultimately growing our church and and growing our mission and, and reaching more people and fulfilling his call you know as, as I was thinking about this myself, I guess i 'll share with you a couple you know friendships over the years where you know, the Jesus-centeredness has sort of taken hold and and really bore fruit. And so I want to share that with you. You know, one of the classics which, you know, I assume many of you have heard, but I started talking through this a little bit and realized um, probably many of you haven't. It's been a long time, and I've been accused recently of not really sharing my stories up here. And it's not an accusation without merit because I don't. who was it? I think Anna did once. Stand up, Anna. Tell me how much you like my preaching. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Anna, you are. wasn't just me, it was also Sandra. Listen, I'll talk to Sandra later. I'm talking to you right now. No, I, uh, I welcome it all. You know, it's all good. But let me tell you about a friend of mine, a friend of mine named Brad Davis. He, uh, you know, he and I go way back. Those of you that don't know him, he's stuck up in Denton, where he's been for a long time. Um, he, uh, you know, he did a lot of focus stuff. He he started some campuses for us. He, he helped found and lead and pastor the Denton North Church for several years. He's a great guy. Um, he and I grew up together since like second grade. Um, one of those just really tight friendships. We were just little boys that did lots of stuff in the neighborhood together and got in lots of trouble and... I love that this community lets me blame Brad for all of that, because other people know the truth, but it it was great, and so it was just a really cool, one of those lifelong friendships, but there there was some meaningful turning points, and one of them was very much led by Brad, and so really with the founding of this church in 97, you know, he had a legit, you know, teenage come to Jesus moment and really turned his life around in, in a very cool way. And this was when we were in high school, and, um, you know, I was too righteous to have needed one of those moments. I, yeah, I was good, and I was doing the, the stuff the right way the whole time, which is a joke. But, um, you know, he had a, a real awakening with Christ, and he brought it to our friendship in a way that I was like, chill, man, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian the whole time. Like, why are you on me? But... Um, Man, it was great, and so he pulled me along in a lot of ways, and ultimately, like, his friendship got me to this church. You know, we decided to go to UTD together. Focus was brand new. We um, went to a focus meeting as seniors in high school to kind of see what it was like. It was the weirdest, most awkward, (laughs) small group. Brandon was trying to lead a discussion with, like, six middle-aged Indian men in this clubhouse um, at UTD, and I was like, well, this is focus? And Brad's like, yeah, we're doing it, and I'm like, okay. Um, but that, that was early. It got going in a big way, and it was tons of fun the whole time, but he brought Jesus-centeredness to something that was just a childhood friendship, and, and my life was changed for it in a good way. You know, I, um, I like sharing about Brandon, too. Brandon Worsham. You guys know him. I, uh, so my life, in some ways, has like three stages. Let me tell you about them. One, I grew up with my parents in my parents' home, and I lived there for like 19 years or something. Another big stage, I married Amy, and I've been living with her for like 16 years. And then there's five and a half, six years in between, and that was Brandon. And I lived <laughs> with him the whole time. And, and so I've shared this before, and, you know, he... He changed my life in a ton of ways, but um, you know, the, even just the way it started, you know, that friendship was pretty wild because Brandon, Brad, and I were going to get an apartment together, and so Brandon was reaching out to Brad and was like, "Hey, come do college ministry; it'll be cool." And they had a thing going. I hadn't yet like started going to Northeast full time, and so I was just sort of on the sides, like, "Yeah, I'll live with y'all. I like Brad; we're friends." Uh, in typical Brad fashion, like two weeks before the apartment is ready for us, he's like, I'm not going to move in. I, um, I'm going to stay at home another year. And we're like, why? He's like, doesn't matter. I'm not moving in. Um, he does that constantly. But, and so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll live at home too for another year. That's fine. It's free. And Brandon's like, what do you mean? Let's Let's just get this apartment together. I'm like, I don't know you. What are... You were, like, doing this with Brad. I was going to be there, but we're not friends. And he's like, doesn't matter. We should live together. And just from the day one, like, purposeful with me. You know, he studied the Bible with me. We did Discovering Jesus before we had Focus on Jesus. I'm legit in that way. Um, He he baptized me. It was, you know, it's as life-changing as you can get and because he was purposeful and intentional about building a friendship with me and having Jesus be at the center of that friendship. And so I could go on and on. You know, from that point, at some point, Brandon sort of handed me off to Ronnie, which is cool. I got both generations of those worships. But, uh, you know, coming out of focus, we didn't yet have the apprenticeship or anything, but I wasn't, I was like, maybe I'll do a third degree. I kind of like college and He's like, no, you need to go, man. Um, And, you know, he's like, the church in Garland could probably use you, and, and what if you focus there instead of on campus? And so Brandon, you know, he did that. Ronnie was there waiting, and Ronnie and I have been getting lunch together every week for, you know, 15 years or something. We tried to calculate it the other day and couldn't quite figure it out. But... Yeah, the the kind of purpose you guys can imagine that, that comes from a friendship with Ronnie. Um, but yeah, led me through choosing a wife, you know, talked to Amy and I, the whole thing, how to try and be a husband, how to be a dad, not to mention just ministry and everything about life. A Jesus-centered friendship like changed me completely, more than three times over, but just on and on. This is what I want for all of you. And this is what you can be for so many people if you'll just step into it and and take the Spirit of God with you. So, you know, think about the people on the margins as well. You know, and think about how little touches can be impactful. If you'll just ask simple questions... um, I might share just one more story with you and then wrap up. Another guy I've been friends with forever now, his name's Warren. He's up in the booth up there. This one started a little differently because this was a lesson in me trying to, to befriend people. And um, so we're in college. I'm trying to do the CORFA thing, which is a small group leader with a cool name. Um, and... You know, I'm Warren's age, but in college, I guess a year ahead and leading a small group is worlds different. Um, I was called to reach out to Warren and this group of misfits that lived in an apartment we called the Treehouse. And I was pretty certain I didn't want to do that. Um, I thought I was too cool for school. You know, I was good at sports and stuff. Um, What else made me think I was cool? I, uh, I just wasn't quite jiving with the UTD vibe yet. And Brandon and I'm like, I don't, I have nothing in common with these guys. I don't know how to do that. Let's give me someone else. And Brandon said, no, that's dumb. Like, go, go do what they like to do. And that was one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten, because Warren taught me how to love video games. And it's like the love of my life at this point. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> um no, I mean, that just little bit of purpose opened my eyes. And let me tell you, it comes a little bit easier to me because I've happened into a personality that can be cool with almost anything, but doing what other people like to do is just the best way to build friendships. Yeah. And stepping into just a little bit of what I thought was awkward and had all sorts of quirks about turned into, you know, Warren and I have had those same weekly lunches for years and years. I've been in a small group at his house in Plano, probably like 13 or 14 of the last 16 or 17 years. I try to leave every now and then. I just need a break, but uh, I come back. And so I want you to, to recognize, and you have these same experiences, but just a little bit on the front end of some of these relationships, followed by some purpose, some meaningful questions, goes a mile and will start to lead to truly incredible friendships and relationships. And you bring Jesus to the center of that, and all of a sudden you see churches growing and, and groups growing and people coming to know him, and that's what we're all about. And so as we look forward as a church, we need y'all to be about Jesus-centered friendships. It's going to be the bedrock and the foundation of what continues to, to push us forward uh, both maturing together and externally making new disciples together. So, I'm going to stop there. Um, we want you to get to discuss some of this. We're going to do some of this after each session. Tonight, we're going to wrap up by 8.30. No later than 8.30. You've got 15 minutes. I'm going to come back up here. But put those prompts up on the screen, um, if you would. These are, you know... Just basic stuff. I want you to move the chairs around, circle up with just like, you know, five or six people and start off by sharing a blessing, a story of how a friend has blessed you. Um, Wow, those got big. Uh, The next one is I want you to think practically about an existing friendship, basically. How can you deep it? How can you bring Jesus to the center of it? And then lastly, who's someone on the fringes? Who's someone who you have in one of those other categories that's not friend that should be in a Jesus-centered friendship category? Who do you need to build time for and open up space for? Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to pray. You guys break up, and then I'll come back up and wrap us. God, just please inspire us to be like you. Please show us the blessing of friendships with you at the center and inspire us. Put names on our hearts. Show us um, how we can deepen what we've got and how we can make space for new and and move your kingdom forward in that, God. Amen.